Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Azizi Podcast. I'm its host, Samir Azizi. And today I'm so excited about the interview that you're about to hear. My guest is Eric Rosas. He is the senior manager, global subscriptions at The Zone Group. That's right, The Zone, the boxing platform in the USA. Um, this platform actually shows you, showcases you such fighters as Anthony Joshua, Gennady Golovkin, Canelo Alvarez, and Ryan Garcia. And on this episode, we actually talked about global su- subscriptions, actually global subscriptions. And uh, yeah, you know, because I'm following the numbers in Kazakhstan and Russia, and it's very fascinating to see how the zone is kind of spreading, uh, spreading its uh, reach to those uh, regions as well as everywhere else in the world, including Mexico and other uh, regions of the world. So we talked about that, and it was pretty awesome to hear Eric's thoughts on uh, what's happening with the zone. He provided us a little insight, a little detail, uh, which was very exciting to hear. Uh, and of course, he just taught me how he, you know, how he actually came to this position, his whole career path, which is also very fascinating and inspirational. So. I hope you will enjoy this episode, and of course, don't forget to follow uh, Eric Rosas at his social media accounts. I will leave his connections and contacts for his social media in the description of this episode, and please, please, please follow him, uh, DM him. I feel like he'll uh, he'll appreciate the support. So, yep, enjoy the show, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wait a second, I almost forgot. Please subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe and uh, rate it with five stars or thumbs up. And of course, follow me on social media at it, at a double z a d o u b l e z i. And yeah, check out the YouTube channel as well because I'm gonna post this interview in a video format so that you can see my conversation with Eric Rosas. Alrighty, everyone, thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, this is Samir Azizi and welcome to Azizi Podcast. Uh, today I have a special guest, Eric Rosas. Eric, I just want to get your title right because you have you had many titles in the past, but right now you're a senior manager for global subscriptions at The Zone Group. Uh, would that be correct? Uh, that's correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and as, as we were talking before, uh, I just uh, said, like, asked some random question on Twitter about the fight in Guadalajara. Uh, Mexico that has happened recently and you were kind enough to like provide some details about like whether like that's televised or, uh, or only on the zone and so I looked you up and all of a sudden I, I see that you were like very deep there on, on, on the zone like you're responsible for global subscriptions so uh, yeah so that's why I just reached out to you and uh, asked if you can be in my podcast so thank you so much sir how are you today? Oh very very good thanks for having me Samir uh, really appreciate it obviously when I saw your tweet asking about the rights whether they were carried in mexico just i like answering right away because i think the more information you provide to fans um the more informed decisions they can make and um you know i, I think it's good for fans to just have information i think um when i think about the zone subscriptions um and, and marketing and certain some of the things that we do i look at it kind of like a restaurant right like you go to a restaurant you get a menu you know exactly what you can order you know how much it costs, you know, you can get a small description about um, what that food item is if, if you don't know what it is. Um, so I like, to, I like to do the same with, with boxing, right? Like, here's our schedule, here's where it's available, here's what time it starts, here's what time the main event starts, and then from there, you, you can kind of make your own decision about whether um, you want to watch or not, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you often do that? Do you often like check in on Twitter and see like what's trending, who's tweeting about that? Like if you want to like provide any extra information or is kind of serendipitous, you're just like going through the timeline and you see something and you're, or is it just something that you're like intentionally doing? No, I do it um, probably mostly as, as a way to kind of, uh, as a fan forum to kind of listen to, to see what kind yeah. of there is to key. Um, I mean, let's be honest, most people on Twitter are probably trolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are, especially <laughs> lately. Yeah. You know, but there's probably a certain element of truth to, to some of the things that they're they're asking about or just seeing, like, you know, if you see a lot of um, questions, I just like to jump in and help out where I can, mm-hmm. specifically as it relates to Latin America and mm-hmm. um, Spanish speaking elements, just because um, I come from a Mexican uh, family. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a lot of family in Mexico. I'm currently actually in Mexico City. Uh, I've been working here for a month and will do so for another month. So I'm very interested in this market in particular. And I know that 
um, you know, the zone being an English uh, language platform for the time being, um, mm -hmm. you know, have an awesome social media team and awesome customer ser uh, service team that actually their job is to go on, on social media and answer a lot of these different questions. But when I see them in Spanish, that's usually when mm -hmm. I, in your case, it was in English, but it was about Mexico and that market. So yeah. like, yeah, I, I can answer that one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that was something that I was curious as well, because my audience, a lot of my audiences are Russian speakers. Uh, I'm, you know, I follow a lot of uh, boxers from uh, Kazakhstan, from Russia, from the former Soviet Union. Uh, and uh, as, as such, I was very excited when DAZN announced that they're going global and they are in, they introduced uh, DAZN to us. So I'm going to I'll return to that question uh, a little bit. I just want our audience to know a little bit more about you and then we can talk a little bit about DAZN and what does yeah. DAZN mean for global audience. So let's uh, let's start a little bit with you. How did you get into this industry? Where did you start and were you always wanted to be in a sports industry from the get go? No, actually, um... Growing up as you know, a kid from uh, you know, I hate to label myself, but from like humble beginnings, from a family with with you know, my family's all immigrants. I was actually the first person born in the U.S. from either side of uh, my mom and, and my dad's uh, family, uh, so 100% Mexican. Um, you know, I think I always had this American dream kind of vision in terms of like get as much money as possible, get the highest paying job, uh, mm -hmm. um, do sort of just glamorous thing so for me growing up that job actually was always finance um something like you know being an investment banker or something along those lines and i just you know I, I didn't really even know what it was right but it just it was the thought of that american image uh you know this oh, like the businessman in the suit you know making yeah. money being in the office in the high tower in new york you know i can relate to that as well i came to america when i was 17 and that was exactly my dream became that like high roller american kind of like go in there That's and it. be the boss you know like become the main guy that was always my dream as well so i can totally relate to that yeah <laughs> probably not as um you know, mischievous, but kind of like the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, that that image of like, exactly, especially when you're like younger, you know, you always want to be that kind of like strong, strong type. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that was always kind of the goal. That was always the, the vision. Um, and when I first at, you know, in college started looking for internships, um, you know, I had, I had a recruiter that was helping me. I'm part of this program called Prep for Prep in New York City that um, has guided me from middle school all the way through getting into uh, a private school uh, for, for middle school, high school, and then in college. And they help you all the way through your, your, your uh, job career. So when they were helping, Hold on, let's, let's give it a proper shout out. So it's called prep for prep, prep for prep. Yeah. It's, it's okay. an organization in New York city that, um, that sounds so cool. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great. They, they, honestly, they changed my life. If it wasn't for them, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. I feel very fortunate. Wow. I've been, um, select into that program. So basically what they do is they take um, inner city kids from uh, New York City, um, you know, that sort of meet a certain level of um, education and, and, you know, sort of go through this rigorous testing program. And if you're accepted in, you go through a 14 month program where you um, eventually place into a private school and then they guide you from there on. Uh, but it, it is very difficult. The, the whole purpose of the program is that they over prepare you for prep school <laughs> mm -hmm. so i recall in fifth or sixth grade and there was subjects or books that i read that i didn't really touch again until i was a senior in high school or even a freshman in college mm -hmm. they they really they started you early huh like right yeah away. and i to be honest with you at the time i hated it, it I, I was miserable of course I, I, yeah i was like you guys took my childhood and, and that's how <laughs> <laughs> but once you, you know now as an adult you're like oh my god i wish i would do it again and and mm -hmm you know um everybody i, I wish every child kind of had that opportunity so big shout out to prep for prep uh contingent 25 uh making me feel old um but yeah so when they helped me look for for first job um they were like look man you're just not qualified enough for for finance job at the moment i was studying international relations and spanish literature in school so mm -hmm. not exactly the finance background mm -hmm. said um why don't you try this other internship at the New York Mets? So I, I ended up working for the New York Mets. Wow. She lived 15 minutes away from them walking distance. It was perfect. The only downside was I was actually uh, an M, a huge Yankees fan. So it just felt a little oh, bit Okay, weird. so there's a little conflict there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that was my first internship in sports and, and it was selling game used memorabilia. So stuff that the players had worn, um, working with MLB on authenticating it, putting it up uh, on our online workshop. Um, mm -hmm. 
kind of doing that and a lot of like the game day promotion. So giving away bobbleheads and towels or, or whatever, you know, t-shirts, whatever the uh, sort of uh, merchandise was for today and just managing that inventory and helping out. And man, I had such a good time just being in the ballpark every day, um, you know, eating hot dogs. Uh, you know, so like, tell me, Eric, what's the number one thing that you learned in that internship? Number one thing that I learned about, honestly, more than anything, was that I love sports and, and that this is kind of where I wanted to be. Um, you know, it, it, again, New York Yankees fan. Um, my favorite sports are soccer and boxing. So it wasn't even number one on my list. And I had such an amazing time that I was like, oh my God, this, this is kind of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can relate to that as well. I don't know what it is about sports, but you know, work, working in like a professional industry, like I was working as an accountant for some firms, uh, as a business consultant, but something about sports always attracted me. And I think that's with all the minutiae in the real world that we have, sports is actually like the realest thing out there. You know, it's just so pure, you know, when it comes to pure athleticism. Of course, there's other things involved, but like when it's when it's, when it's on the field, when it's in the ring, it's, it's just so pure, you know, uh, and that's what I liked about it. Well, what I like about it, too, is you just don't feel like you're actually working, you know, like I remember mm -hmm. when I out, you know, I was like in the, it, you know, the building, like the corporate office was right next to the stadium. There was a door that went through and I forget why I had to like go into the stadium and pick up like a hat or something from one of the from one of the kiosks. And I'm just walking in and it's like, you know, it's during the summer. It was probably like one or two p.m. And I walk out and you just hear the crowd roaring because somebody hit a home run or something like that. And you're just like, wow, this is electric. Like, I can't believe I'm actually working. I can't believe I'm actually getting paid to, to, to be here and to do this. Like, it was awesome. Even though right. you're not sitting down and watching every single minute of the game, you're still like, oh, my God, I'm here. This is great. And the same applies today with, with the zone and boxing. I mean, when, when, when I show up at fights, I'm just like, I can't believe I'm getting paid to Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I had those moments a couple of times. I had those moments too. It's just like, what the hell? Like, this is it. Um, but yeah, like that's like, like just accelerated my love for the sport in general. All right. So that, that was your first work experience. That was your uh, internship. Interesting. Then what happened? Yeah, and then and then my second internship was um, building off of that. I went to ESPN um, and the international marketing solution team. So it was a very um, ad sales marketing role. So helping ESPN outside of the US. I worked a lot primarily on Latin America, but Latin mm -hmm. America, the UK, Australia. Um, and the purpose of that role was basically to come up with campaigns, uh, um, you know, creative, you know, whether it was a commercial, whether it was original um, content, whatever it was, coming up with solutions to help mm -hmm. and attract um, from, from brands like PNG, um, Avianca and airline, you know, so just try, trying to like really working on the asset side, but it was more of a creative um, aspect to it. You know, it was more of like, what can we do? For example, uh, PNG had, you know, during, um, you know, I forget, it was probably the Copa America, uh, a mm -hmm. while, remember. <laughs> yeah. but it was, um, you know, we had head and shoulders and, and um, you know, the shampoo is part of like that, one of, one of the brands that we were targeting. So we created this whole campaign about the look Ganador, which was like the winning look um mm -hmm. so you profile sort of the different haircuts across the Copa America and you had like the Neymar or you had like the yeah, yeah. the messy haircut you know whatever whatever it was so <laughs> way of, of tying sports with the, the with the brand that we were working with so that was kind of the role learned quite a lot um in that role um learned a lot about each international market is just so different, right? Like what works for you in the U.S. doesn't work in Latin America. What works in Latin America doesn't work in Australia. It doesn't work in the U.K. Mm -hmm. the market just kind of has its own nuance. They have their own tendencies. They have their own preference in sports. So I think that's translated pretty well into kind of what I do at the zone today, actually. So Yeah. I mean, did you realize at that point, like uh, you were just fresh out of college, but you're already having such cool internships. I would kill for those internships, to be honest, like to work for such brands for New York Mets, for ESPN and be an intern and that like, were you realizing like, wow, like this is, this is, I'm like heading somewhere. Like I'm like, there's a momentum like going brewing here. Like at that point, were you realizing maybe sports is it? Like I'm going to tie my, my life to that um it, it definitely felt like that way like i definitely was loved that i definitely felt very blessed and then i felt that i was given a great opportunity i probably didn't appreciate it as much until later down the road when i realized how many people are trying to get into sports <laughs> i just getting your foot in the first time is it's the most difficult thing i mean that's kind of what you know i have um you know when when younger students kind of reach out to me and they say kind of like what's your number one tip i'm like just be patient just mm -hmm. be patient because um it, it can take a while and, and it did take a while so after graduating from college, I actually 
Um, while I was in college, it was halfway through my senior year, I actually received an internship or sorry, a job offer from uh, JP Morgan Chase doing um, global financial crimes. I'm, I'm even blanking on the name. It was uh, basically <laughs> All I the... saw that. That was crazy. Like <laughs> I saw that on your profile. That, that was like, wow, some CIA stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So after I said all that, I, I ended up going into a financial. <laughs> it was honestly like, think about it. You're a senior in college. It was halfway through the year. Like it was December. Um, mm -hmm. So I had another semester to go. I got this job offer um, full time. You know, it was um, they gave a nice, you know, signing bonus and it's just very, very tempting and, and the guys at ESPN you know I had a really good relationship with them um you know Justin Leibowitz was, was my manager at the time and I think they wanted to bring me in after graduating but you know like most things in sports it, it was not a sure thing and they were just kind of like you know waited out like let's just kind of see where, where, where you are by the end of the year so for me at that moment just being so anxious to get a job and and, and yeah absolutely Plus, it's JP Morgan. I mean, come on, this is like one of the <laughs> banks, and to work at this, and I know, especially in New York, like the biggest uh, office I think is in New York. It's just like a huge, it's a huge thing, yeah. it's a huge deal to work at JP Morgan Chase in New York City. Yeah, you definitely you were going to your original dream uh, toward your towards your original dream to be that that, that guy in the suit who like solves international crime <laughs> financial <laughs> wise. <laughs> yeah, essentially, the, the the role was basically to screen all of the you know the bank's clients, whether that was you know individual people or whether that was like corporate organizations, and then just running them against uh, what was the the OFAC sanctions list and just making sure that people basically were who they said they were, right? Like if it was mm -hmm. Eric Rosas. And it's, you know, the system detected that was that there is a um, drug trafficker in Sonora, Mexico, also named Eric Rosas. You would just need to <laughs> that I wasn't that guy. You know, you do a little bit of research and, uh, you know, you had some certain tools to make sure, you know, they, they, that they were who they said they were. And if they passed, then you go on, you know, and then, uh, but if, if it was the right hit, you would escalate it. And then the next team would, you know, you would start doing a deeper dive on, on that person. But that was kind of the role. Um, to mm -hmm. be honest, it was, it was very boring. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was about to ask, like, how did you feel about that? You know, working there after being in the arenas and hearing people roar, you know, and ecst ecstatically, and then you all of a sudden you're like you're in the bank, you know, doing an office job and trying to yeah, find like. I, and I did it close to three years, to, to be honest. I think, um, you know, just I think it impacted my mental health quite a bit. You know, I oh, think, yeah, I think it, it affected my physical health quite a bit. I think I was doing a lot of partying and, and going out pretty consistently put on quite a bit of weight. So I just felt like that, it was uh, that banker life, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly enough, um, you know, I, I, I put on quite a, quite a bit of weight and, you know, I just wasn't really enjoying myself. And, and I was like, okay, you know, obviously I've been given a great opportunity. J Morgan gave me a lot of responsibility. I was managing a team of 10 people directly uh, by the time mm -hmm. I, you know, things were, things were going well, but I just didn't really enjoy it. So Interestingly enough, one of the things that happened was I, I looked at myself and I was like, oh, my God, uh, Eric, you're going to you're going you're gonna, to you're get really, really big. So um, I thought back to um, and I, you know, I joined a, a local gym, tried lifting weights, tried kind of doing your regular running. And I was like skipping most days. Right. Like you get home, mm -hmm. um, you turn on TV, you put down your stuff and you just you get lazy and you fall asleep. Right. Or you kind of call it a day. So I thought back to high school um where i was like in my best shape ever and I, and I was like well i used to wrestle um i was like i'm 21 years old now mm -hmm. i probably shouldn't be playing with other grown men at this age uh probably not as acceptable in, in the real world um so i actually ended up joining a boxing gym um church street boxing gym down in new york city it was pretty close to the jp morgan offices where i was working at the time and uh yeah i never stopped boxing since i mean i, I i've been boxing training for eight years. Um, it's kind of what led me eventually to the zone down the road, but, you know, have uh, two amateur fights. Uh, one oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you took it all the way, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really good learning experience. Um, you know, currently I actually, you know, have about five or six different, um, kids that I actually coach now. So now I've kind of matured into oh, wow. rules. So, um, my first fighter, I actually plan to hopefully debut him in the next couple of months. I think probably September, October. I think he's ready. He's been training for a year now during COVID. So let's let's give him a shout out. What's his name? Jair Calixto. All right, Jair, yeah. we're gonna be rooting rooting for you. Fifteen years old, he's gonna fight at uh, 132 pounds. Um, the kid's an absolute monster. The kid just puts in so much work, and and yeah, he, he's a beast. Look out for him one day. <laughs>
fantastic. We're gonna we're gonna record that for sure. Gonna put a like a bookmark there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, that that's that's kind of it. I mean, I I, I eventually was like, you know, this this is it. Uh, I need to get out of this, and and it was very very difficult. I applied, and this is kind of I was, I was getting back to you about earlier, which is like it's so hard to get into sports, even with those internships. Having been at JP Morgan for close to three years. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of interviews at ESPN and other roles and 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 other companies and but just nobody was hiring me man everybody was just kind of like why why did you do that you know like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what do you have to, you know you're competing with other people who went to uh, college and studied sports marketing or sports management um, so I just kind of had a bit, a bit of a disadvantage eventually my old boss from ESPN International Marketing Solutions Justin Leibowitz basically reached out and said we're hiring a project coordinator for six months if you wanted the job's yours like you know i, I didn't even have to mm-hmm. apply but basically i took a pay cut like from like a 50 percent pay cut and mm-hmm. went from having this team of of you know like 10 people uh reporting into me to now all of a sudden having a contract for six months and not even having the security right. of, so uh, it's yeah and uh, you know it's it sounds noble and stuff like, you know, but it's at the same time, I can only imagine how hard it was, you know, and it, it speaks a lot about you. Like you bet on yourself, you know, you're not just saying like, okay, so I'm, I'm with this great, sweet job and the situation is pretty good financially, but you also understand that, you know, perhaps you were not as happy as you could have been, you know, and you wanted to do something more, uh, enjoyable for your life. And, and you decided to bet on yourself. You know, a lot of people would actually be afraid for that. You know, they would be attached to their salaries. Like, I forgot who said that. Maybe it was Warren Buffett or or someone else. Is like there are two uh, drugs. The most dangerous drugs is heroin and monthly salary. You know what I mean? <laughs> I forgot <laughs> who said that. Yeah. So, but you you just kind of like broke the cycle and you and, you know you ventured out in in, in sports and uh, took like made a sacrifice, but you ultimately bet it on yourself. So what happened yeah, next? I mean, it, it wasn't easy, by the way. Like it, it was definitely difficult. My parents were like, "What the hell are you doing?" You know. Um, uh huh. And what did you tell them? Like, how did you explain that to them? I basically said, look, like, you know, I'm very passionate about this. And I think if I envision myself and it's hard to envision, but like 30 years from now, I think I will be much higher up the ladder, be a much more accomplished person doing something that I love because I'll be passionate about it. And I'll never stop giving up or working hard on it, which, which I think, you know, it's, it's only been a few years, but um, still very early in my career, but I feel like so far it, it's been exactly that, you know, I think there's, difficult moments in, you know, for, for design working in boxing in the sense that it's, it's a sport where you don't know what's next on the calendar and all of a sudden yeah. you have to announce and, and then all of a sudden you're just like not sleeping every night and it, it's fine, you know, cause I love it cause it doesn't feel like work. So, um, absolutely. So yeah, yeah so, so that's great. So I ended up uh, going back to ESPN and did a couple of years, two or three years there. I'm uh, doing again, doing the exact same role that I had done before. Um, it was great because I knew, Justin Leibowitz, my manager at, at ESPN, who was a, a great mentor and, and, and a great person to work under. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly was able to pick up right where, right where I left off. And it was good, it was good. Just got to work with a lot of different brands um, over the years, got to travel to a few different markets. It was good. I, I made it down to, to Brazil for our upfront down there. Got to go to Singapore, got to go to Mexico a lot of times, which is kind of where I fell in love with Mexico, yeah. the city. Cause I have a lot of family here, but most of my family doesn't live in the city. Found in love with Mexico. Um, just had a really, really great time. Met a lot of really awesome people um, in the different markets, a lot of different brands. Uh, internally at ESPN, it was good because I was working on the international markets, but was based out of New York. So I was able to kind of interact with our US social, you know, production teams, our creative teams, and just get to, to network with a lot of people. And it, it was honestly the, the, one of the best jobs I've ever had. I mean, I honestly have no complaints about it. I got to work on soccer quite a lot, which is my favorite sport. So it was honestly mm-hmm. the, the the perfect dream come true. Um, have absolutely wow. no complaints and nothing but good things to say about um, ESPN. So let's uh, let's fast forward to the zone and yeah. uh, you know your start at the zone. The, the whole um, actually the whole situation with the zone as it appeared, I think back in two thousand. Uh, 17 2018 when it started like acquiring boxing and like it and it, it entered the boxing scene in the united states and i i believe you were uh in the zone well i see it was uh in 2019 so when you started in the zone uh they were already like kind of like they signed all the deals with uh, with canelo yeah. with triple g i remember it's being like highly advertised and all of that how did you end up at the zone and what did you think about this 
So basically, you know, again, everything at ESPN was, was phenomenal. Um, my only sort of, you know, frustration a little bit was that I, I think I had kind of hit a little bit of a roadblock in terms of career growth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just kind of felt like there were so many people who had been there for so many years that it was kind of hard to go up the ladder, I guess, unless somebody else left first, right? And everybody yeah. off their job. So it was very rare to see that. Um, and yeah, and then uh, just honestly, one day I was out at a party. I think it was New Year's. Um, one of my friends, Noah Samuel, said that he knew this guy named Chris Waller who was working at The Zone and that we should get lunch together one, one time. And, and, and we did. And then we talked about kind of, um, you know, how much I love boxing, the fact that I've been practicing uh, boxing for so long, um, mm-hmm. that I had the sports background. So it kind of just opened the door for me, you know, big shout out to Chris for, for opening the door for me at the zone. And then eventually I found this job opening that was this account management role, um, you know, at, at the zone. I honestly didn't quite exactly know what it was, but mm-hmm. I'm looking for somebody to kind of uh, speak Spanish and, and have a good knowledge of the U S Hispanic and, and Latin American markets, uh, obviously mm-hmm. with signing. And I was like, well, that's, that's me. Somebody who loves yeah. box. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Somebody who has a sports background. So it honestly just felt like a really, really perfect role. And, and I was excited right away. Um, you know, Shema Debit, who, who was the first manager I worked under with at the zone, um, also wanted to kind of get my opinion on, on not just the boxing stuff, but like just what my term, what my opinion and, stance on the zone was long, long-term. And, and for me, honestly, I was just really, really blown away by the fact that um, the zone was kind of revolutionizing the way that you're consuming sport to make it really, really accessible. I mean, you know, as a boxing fan, we're used to dishing out $75. Yeah. For pay-per-views. I'm guilty, man. I, I buy all of them. Right. But, um, <laughs> but when you see, you know, you see a subscription service for $20 a month, I mean, it, it's just, it's just a game changer. So I, I, I was, you know, um, blown away by, by the offering right away. And, and, also by, the, by what they were doing in other markets. I mean, it was very foreign to me, but the fact that they had Serie A rights in Italy, um, you know, the Bundesliga rights in Germany. Yeah. The, you know, Japanese. They have NHL, NHL rights here. Like I watch football, like so cheaply, like on the zone, like it's crazy how accessible, accessible it is like here in Canada. Right, because you guys, you guys in Canada, you get the Premier League, Champions League. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's not a bad deal, is it? <laughs> it's a great deal. It's a great deal. So yeah, when, when I saw that, I was just blown away and I, and I was like, yeah, I need, I need to join. And then, um, you know, when I, so met- what were you doing? Like this account management thing, what did that entail? Yeah. So my role was essentially to sit in sort of the liaison was kind of like the, the, the middleman between the zone and all the different right holders that we had that moment. So obviously the key ones are the ones that still stand today or match room golden boy, but I was also managing at that, at that moment, we still had Bellator, uh, Combate Americas, uh, KSW, uh, we, we had a lot of MMA, uh, smaller MMA rights. Um, I, at, at some point, my role actually extended into Canada and I was managing Major League Soccer, Premier League and, and, and Champions League. So it, it's really hard to define the role. You're sort of the day-to-day account management person, but you kind of end up just getting dragged into very different things. I mean, put together, you make sure the payments for, you know, the, uh, on the contractual obligations are all paid out. So, you know, whether that's the license fee for a fight event or, mm. or quarterly um, um, rights payment for, for, for UA for whatever it was, like, you know, you have, to, you have to pay that. Um, mm-hmm. If the promoter's creating assets or, you know, the rights holders creating assets or content, making sure that that was distributed to all of the um, internal parties at the zone, um, you know, work, working very closely for fights, working with the promoters on, on the ticketing and, and, you know, the zone was given a certain number of allocation uh, of tickets for each event. And then from there, working with everybody at the zone and figure out, okay, uh, mm-hmm. we have to go here. We need to, you know, we need these executives to sit here. So it was very stressful uh, <laughs> uh, after the job. There. So honestly, you, you just get dragged into like a million different directions. And it was honestly one of the most um, exhausting, but really rewarding uh, moments of my career because I just learned so much. I mean, I was on the road working with the guys in production, uh, the creative team, the social team, um, the zone is a much smaller company than ESPN. So all of a sudden you're, mm-hmm. you're sitting at a table with the vice president of programming or, or the vice president of, of social media and, and, and mm-hmm. um, the zone news, right? So it's just, it's, it's a lot more accessible and, and you just learned quite a lot. So I'm not sure I gave you the best answer, but you know, you- no, that's fascinating. Like I, I really like, this is fascinating to hear. Uh, what was the, the thing, like when you started the zone, what was like the thing that like, was like, ah, oh, I want to like, like 
like look forward to that like maybe some sort of a sporting event or maybe like it just happened unexpectedly You're like oh nice like this the zone thing is for real like they're really doing this great shows like what was that that thing where you felt like they're they're about to start competing with espn on some things oh man i mean for me the moment it was all kind of surreal or, or felt very just enormous for me was canelo jacobs um yeah. that was the first temple fight that that we kind of had um put on the platform at least since i had been there um and it was also my birthday may 4th uh <laughs> nice. and i was like you literally cannot make this up um, oh man you almost were born on cinco de mayo look at you yeah exactly <laughs> next thing i bought on, on may 4th we actually call it uh cuatro de rosas and then there you uh, go you go to mile the next day so it's a double celebration if, if you ever want to join me <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's a good excuse to have tacos and margaritas uh two days in a row so. exactly that's awesome. So Jacobs yeah. Canelo, huh? Yeah, that was a, that was a great event. I remember Triple G came to that fight. Like it was right before the pandemic, so it was like stacked and all like with the with all the viewers. Uh, yeah, and promoted greatly. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, actually, and, and uh, yeah, I remember working with um, you know all, all the guys from from uh, Triple G's team and and trying to get them seats and, and stuff. And at the end of the, at the end of the night, believe it or not, like in that role, I actually didn't have a ticket myself. Um, <laughs> And uh, my boss, you know, there was one leftover ticket and she was like, oh, here you go. This is awesome. So actually, I think I sat right next to, um, you know, the, the guys that were managing Triple G had a decent seat. Um, mm -hmm. When, you know, being Mexican, once they start singing the Mexican national anthem, my, my body just kind of like, you know, get chills. And, and I had obviously seen a lot of Canelo fights, a lot of mega, uh, mega fights on TV, but being there in person, Hearing the crowd, like you know, just my my my, I just got so many chills. My my skin just like, yeah. Was, I, I I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I, I almost cried. <laughs> no, I can I can totally like see that. It's it's uh, it's I don't know. It takes it's it's a lot to take in. You know, it's 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 definitely especially with the with the way where you like brought up and uh, you know overall how how you like went up the ranks and, and went through one thing, place to another to end up like in such great events that are televised worldwide. I feel like that's really great. Um, hold on, let me just quickly adjust my video. No worries. Definitely the only thing missing on my checklist at this point is probably a World Cup. That That's... Oh yeah? <laughs> uh, well, where, where do you see the zone and World Cup thing? Like, do you see the zone like actually getting some rights to that in any time soon? No, sorry. So I, I should clarify. I meant from like just a personal level being at, at a sporting event, you know, at a World Cup now, I, it's, you know, way too early to say, but you know, where do you <laughs> But look, I, I'm, I'm sure. Our right, that was not, that was not a gotcha question. I was actually, I was actually curious. No, about no, 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 no. But, but honestly, yeah, look, I, I mean, just given the vision of the zone and, and trying to make, uh, um, you know, sports accessible to, to, to all fans. I mean, what better event than the World Cup and, and, um, you know, with that being such a mega event on a global scale, I mean, it, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know when or, or, or how we, we would do it, but I'm sure that at, at some point in time, it would make sense for a company like The Zone to, to, to hopefully bid for those rights and, and we would definitely- Yeah, absolutely. Table. I mean, why not, right? It, it's- Exactly. I mean, honestly, once I saw when I, once I saw that you guys have the rights for NFL in Canada, I'm like, and it actually works amazingly, like the whole infrastructure, how it actually like, um just the app the user experience of how i can switch from one game to another so seamlessly i was like this is this is that's what like i need you know to watch every game soccer you know football boxing everything at once like it actually works like the app works great and i saw that you guys are very like you guys doing a lot of push into the development like the actual software develop development i can see like a lot of jobs being posted for software developers yeah. like dazon is really betting on that new like web 3.0 and the 5g i feel like it's going to be so so much crazier there's a lot of like there's like a thing where i saw where you can now interact with uh, like you can like watch the game and then see highlights and it's all like visual you can like switch from one like highlight to another yeah. uh, or like, sp like spoiler check like should it, I don't know there's like a little different features especially if you like watching soccer for example that you can customize for yourself so that's like a I don't know some additional dimension that you don't get from just watching it on TV yeah, I mean, I remember when I was applying to the zone. One thing that I loved about the zone that they were doing in Canada was that they had um, for for Champions League. You, you know, this that on on a Tuesday or Wednesday, you're mm -hmm. trying to catch like eight different games, especially during the group. Yeah. And they had this feature where you could basically just watch the highlights from four four. You know, all the all the, day, all the games on that day all at once. And I was like, okay, this is basically red zone, but for Champions League. And I was like, cool, man. I love I love what these guys are doing. I love I love like the way they think. Um, very forward thinking. Mm -hmm. 
think you'll you'll continue to see that from us for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. And so, Eric, like at some point, I see that you are you moved up to become a manager for global subscriptions. Um, was that the moment when the zone actually? Because I know at some point the zone decided to just go global, like like places like Kazakhstan, excuse me, Kazakhstan yeah, and yeah. other like Uzbekistan. All of a sudden, everyone has the opportunity to download the zone and just be that subscriber and watch those fights, especially like uh, I know that in places like Kazakhstan and Russia, like a lot of things are just connected to the combat sports on the zone. Um, can you describe that moment? Like, is that when exactly when you started or like, how was that in your like, uh, in your memory? Like, how did that whole started? And what, what can you share about that? Yeah, I think that, it was actually a f one or two months, uh, one or two months right before the global launch. So in hindsight, I think, um, and I'll be very honest with you, I, I got moved on my own. Like I, I had, I basically just woke up one day. Um, you know, there, there was, um, I think in hindsight, I think our, our management team was probably looking ahead to, to the global, to the global launch. Um, and then basically I just woke up one day and they're like, Hey, Eric, you're no longer the account manager on, on this team. You're now on the global subscriptions team, um, doing more of a, a, of a marketing role. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for this. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, well, that I, sounds like that sounds like a really good promotion to be honest. In my in my eyes, is this is so exciting. You know, going global. That's like the some some conquest kind of stuff. You know, you're like trying to like get all the markets, be that first mover advantage. It, it was it was a little it was, it was a little frightening at first, just because I didn't have a formal marketing background. You know, I I didn't study in school. I did some ad sales marketing at ESPN, which is sort of your traditional kind of like briefing in um, campaigns, managing the campaigns, working with an agency to, to manage the, the, the dollars behind it. I just, it was all new to me. Um, but I think kind of what uh, my bosses kind of saw was probably that in what our leadership team saw was just that I love boxing so much, you know, that I'm so passionate mm -hmm. about um, the sport. And, and, you know, like I could sit here and talk to you for hours and hours about sports my, and, and, and boxing and who my favorite fighter is, the different styles, I, I could go on for, for days. So I think that passion is kind of what um, led the team to, to, to put me in that position. Um, and then that, I, th I think also my knowledge on the US Hispanic market, which is obviously really, really big for us given, given Canelo. So we yeah. put this role um, and then, yeah, honestly, it was kind of like getting thrown to the wolves and then just learning it all on the, on the spot. But obviously, you know, have, have a great manager, have a great management team. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they kind of, kind of helped me grow along the process, but yeah, it's been a tremendous, tremendous, um, change, um, uh, you know, welcome change. Um, yeah. And then we went global. So it was like, Hey, you're now marketing, uh, for 200 countries and territories and promoting exactly key events across all these markets. So it's look, it's an impossible task, right? You, you can't possibly launch, um, you know, 200 campaigns and, and, and put a lot of media dollars, you know, just, just impossible to, to have all those resources being a two man team alongside with, with my boss, uh, Rob Steckler, just kind of impossible. So what we do is when we look at an event, we, we think about it very strategically, right? If, if, um, I'll give you a good example. So Lawrence Nicole, fought, um, Blavatsky, Blavatsky. yeah, on, on, on a matchroom UK card. So we didn't have those rights to that event in the UK, but, you know, talking to some um, Polish fans in the market, they're saying mm -hmm. Glocky is a huge draw here. So we did some small campaigns in that market, worked with um, some affiliates um, like Canal Sportway that, that cover the sport in that market. Mm -hmm. And we were able to have a, you know, decent number of success and new signups um, in Poland. So that that's kind of the role now is looking at the boxing calendar and figuring out, okay, um, mm -hmm. what, markets is this fighter kind of drawn what markets is this uh fight potentially drawing and then testing out new things and, and being very strategic about it right because again yeah you can't spend millions and millions of dollars of marketing in every single market across the world it's just, it's just no absolutely and that's why it's such a bold move to go uh, globally and i just want to share you a little bit my experience right so yeah. um i went to kazakhstan you know to visit my family and friends uh back in april and I have a DAZN subscription, so I like tuned in to that to DAZN in Kazakhstan. Uh, and yeah, I definitely see that, like, for example, the Kazakh app, and, and I'm not sure how much to what extent you guys geotagging like everything, but like in terms of like what kind of uh, sports you're showing. But in Kazakhstan, I believe it's only boxing right now. Yep. Uh, at the same time, Kazakhstan subscription costs only, uh, I would say, like two bucks, two point five dollars, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and which is like mind blowing for me to like see, for example, 
you know, Canelo or Ryan Garcia fight for two dollars that you can see for months. You know, we just like get a just yeah. get like only pay once, for example, and just to see that for, fight. So right. that's an amazing deal, and and uh, I can totally see like you what what you guys doing. You're you're definitely understanding that uh, former Soviet Union. Because I'm again, I'm speaking as a, someone from former Soviet Union. The subscription model for the OTT services for the platforms is definitely something novel for those kind of markets. And there's definitely it takes it takes a lot of uh, convincing, uh, knowing from a personal experience, for someone to say like, hey, you can like uh, subscribe to that, and and you get all this content, and you don't have to pirate it. You know, and that's pirating. Yeah. I just want to talk to you about pirating like a little. Uh, later as well uh, but like streaming fights pirating is like a huge thing but you know the older people people become no one wants to do this it's, it's just too hard like it's always easier just hey why don't you just pay 600 tenge which is like two bucks um, or like 800 and, and just watch it, you know, and, and then watch all the past content. And then there is an amazing Triple G documentary that is not available in Canada in the zone. So I actually was so excited when I got to Kazakhstan. I, the first thing I did, I turned on my zone just so that I can watch that three part documentary about Triple G, uh, that, that is available to Kazakhstan, but not in Canada. So that's, that's, that's like an interesting thing that I still don't understand. Maybe you can like clear that thing up for me. Why I can like see the Triple G doc on in Canada. The making of Triple G, yeah. Yeah, make, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make sure you guys tune in and check it out. It's good. Also, check out Triple G Ronaldo Parallel Worlds. <laughs> yeah, Triple G Ronaldo. Like for some reason, like it's in Kazakhstan, it's available. So like I was really like encouraging everyone to download this one. Please to just watch that. But then like all the past fights and stuff. So that's one thing that I've noticed that it's a great deal, and that is uh, that is uh, only just for boxing at this moment. Yeah. Um, so, hold on, just, yeah. just before we go in, I guess, going back to your question just about the rights, I mean, just it, it's, um, I'm not privy to all the conversations, all, all negotiations, but typically when a fighter, um, and, you know, let's use boxing, you know, um, going back to the, let's use Canelo. I mean, Canelo is obviously the, the biggest example. Um, obviously, there's sort of negotiations in the background, and for whatever reason, um, you know, certain fighters or certain athletes might want to retain the rights to uh, their image in a certain market. So in the case of Canelo, um, for example, the zone carries his fights globally in every single country and territory that you can imagine, except Mexico. I think um, obviously he, he probably has his certain preferences uh, in terms of broadcasting in this market. Again, I'm not hundred percent privy to those conversations, but there must be a reason that he kind of carves that out. So that's mm -hmm. part of the negotiation phase and, and uh, ultimately the zone adheres to whatever, you know, the contractual, um, you know, obligations are, and if there's certain territories carved out, then we do it. So I think going back to the documentary, you know, uh, I'm sure we have global rights or, or have it in, in, in a lot of markets, but there might be a couple of restrictions, i.e. Uh, Canada. I wonder if that's, you know, yeah, I wonder, you know, you're closer to triple than I am. So maybe, maybe he has something in Canada that, that I'm <laughs> um, who knows, who knows? But yeah, that's the, that's another thing. Like I've sometimes like I thought like when the when the zone went global, all the triple G fights would be moved to the zone in Kazakhstan and the zone would be an exclusive platform where they can show triple G fights. But apparently uh, all other fights, Canelo, Ryan Garcia, all those mega fights are exclusive to the zone in Kazakhstan and Russia and anywhere else and the former Soviet Union. But triple G fights are televised on the Kazakh TV. So I, yeah. I believe that's kind of a similar deal that you're talking about that Canelo exactly. has in Mexico. And that's kind of sucks though, right? For the zone. I mean, like that's uh, unless there's like unless it's a worthwhile deal somehow, but like yeah. you guys would wish that, you know, the number one Kazakh draw would only be shown on the number one like platform, you know, the zone, you know, yeah, so that you yeah. can get the subscriber rate. I mean, it's uh I don't know. I don't know, like I guess this is like a self explanatory question. Yeah, that's kinda like that's the goal. Uh but are you, are you guys trying to move to that direction or is just you're you're just like letting the the athletes kind of uh, decide? I don't know. Yeah, look, like, from, what from, you a, from, a, from a prescription standpoint, I think you nailed it spot on. I mean, for, from 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 our perspective, it's better to not sell the rights, keep them exclusively to the zone. I'm sure there's other financial factors that, you know, the finance team and our strategy team probably are, are taking into consideration when they make those decisions. But yeah, I mean, from a subscription standpoint and wanting to grow the fan base, it, it mm -hmm right on i'm sure that that's something that we'll push for i'm something that um our executive team will push for when possible but you know again yeah. there must be reasons behind um sometimes mm -hmm. it be a very interesting example too there's also nuances in different markets that you're not 100 percent aware of um for, and, and and we learn as we kind of go along so i'll give you a good example i forget um it was it pavetkin white 
the the last uh, who did he last? Oh, like? Dillian White. Dillian White. Sorry, yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm, I'm blanking out. So when uh, when I think we had those rights in Russia, for example, but I think we ultimately ended up putting them on free to air um, television. I'll give you one example. I think in Russia. Yeah, it was in Russia. It was on TV because I'm streaming those fights. Like I'm streaming the commentary. So you remember I showed yeah. you the, the link what I do. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and I can see if if. The, the funny part is, if I have a lot of viewers, that means no one can find the fight, and so they're watching my stream. Uh, but that's how I see. Like, if I have like, if, I, if there's a drop, then it's locally accessible on all the TV stations, and then they're just watching that. And yeah, then so when I, yeah. No, so I'll give you a really, really interesting like just thing that we didn't. Uh, Eric, just just quick, a little. Uh, yeah. Your screen is shaking. I think your camera. So I'm not sure what's uh, what's happening there. But if you can uh, uh, not touch your camera so that it doesn't shake. Is it, is it good uh, now? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. So, so very interesting. Um, one thing we learned about Russia, they're uh, just trying to like launch that market and, and kind of like planning for that market again. Obviously, Pavetkin would, would be a huge draw there is that local Russian law or regulation just like required the zone to be a local entity or to have a local business mm. after of audience uh, viewers in that market. So we, I think on the back end, I think our legal team and our finance team kind of worked through it and we're like, you know what, this, this actually doesn't make sense. Like we we're better off just sons, right? Rights. Yeah. Giving it to local television. So it's just a little nuance sometimes, little things like that, that you're not even aware about. Do you think it's easier in Kazakhstan or is it the same kind of thing? I think, um, I, I think it's easier. I, 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 mm -hmm. I don't know for sure. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. I would imagine. I don't know because Russia, I, like a lot of in Russia, is about especially during like public audience television propaganda, blah blah blah. Like right, they're very right. cautious <laughs> about like public outreach and stuff. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, I don't know what's your overall because another part that I just wanted to share with you, and I think I've talked to you that, about that before, is that I'm noticing because I am doing the live commentary for a lot of uh, fights on the zone. Um, for my personal YouTube channel, I see that Canelo and Ryan Garcia, uh, Canelo, obviously, but you know, what I was surprised is he's a huge star in Kazakhstan, or at least people want to see him fail in Kazakhstan a lot. So they all, <laughs> <laughs> they're all watching his fights. And the way I see, cause I, I also, I track the subscriptions and stuff for the, for the zone through, like, through my channel, yeah. as I showed you before, uh, I, I see that, you know, people really want to watch, like Canelo is actually driving a lot of subscriptions around the world. And after I saw that with my own eyes, I realized how much of a powerhouse uh, his brand is worldwide. But what I was, I was surprised about is that, and no one actually talks about it. Maybe they just don't see the numbers. They all assume that like the boxing fans, that Ryan Garcia is just popular in the United States, but of all places in Russia and Kazakhstan, he is getting a lot of traction as well, based on like what my, my numbers that I'm seeing. So there's a lot of fans for Ryan Garcia as well. And unlike Canelo, for example, in Kazakhstan, Ryan Garcia, in honestly, like it doesn't really matter because people still want to see Canelo fight. Like Ryan Garcia does not is not attached to the Triple G, you know, uh, fights and and this, you know, like conflict and all of that um, in terms of like the sporting, sporting conflict and stuff. So my question to you is that with being like with Ryan Garcia being such a great opportunity for boxing worldwide and with Canelo right now, um, what is do you guys come up with some sort of like for places like um russia or kazakhstan or eastern europe um do you have any sort of like a strategy where you want to market to, towards that and acquire that subscription base and i also know that one of your strategy is affiliate marketing and if if that's just like the way that you, you guys want to go like how far do you want to go with affiliate marketing and i'm talking about russian influencers russian speaking kazakh speaking influencers is this even a discussion right now at the zone? Because I can also see the fact that, okay, like we have this global worldwide, but we're not going to focus on that. Let's focus on the main market, the United States and get as much subscription as possible. Where do you guys stand right now with that? I think it's actually the latter, um, you know, kind of just focus mm -hmm. on the U S the moment. Look, we're, we're a very, uh, we're a very data driven company. So a lot of what we do is just looking at the numbers and just seeing where the biggest opportunity is. So let's use the affiliate program uh, as an example, right? Like, um, you'll generate, um, you know, in, for, for, you know, with your fan base in Kazakhstan, you'll generate X number of subs, right? If we mm -hmm. have an affiliate in Mexico, as an example, who's drawing two times as much as you are, like we might focus on that affiliate and that market first. I mean, just again, going back to the resources thing from a subscription standpoint, um, on the global side, it's myself and my boss, right? So it's literally just two of us. Um, and, mm -hmm. and we 
big event, you know, we just need to be very strategic about what we pick now. That's not to say that, you know, down the road, we won't have, you know, more resources or more attention on, you know, um, the Kazakh market, the Russian market, you know, just, it, it just kind of needs, we're a little bit driven by kind of where, where the numbers take us. And we, we just go market by market and kind of just be very strategic about it. You know, we have nothing in particular um, that's targeted to this market, but we do obviously with every fight sort of have our full marketing machine ready to go. And, and, and we know that it works and, and we do it on a global scale. So um, obviously you see all the stuff that we do on social media, you know, we, we produce a lot of content around that. Um, on CRM, you know, we'll target, you know, um, existing users, uh, users who have previously watched, you know, which um, device as an example, or, or users who may have subscribed and are currently frozen and we'll send messaging to them to try to win them back onto the platform. So, you know, the, the whole world gets the full marketing uh, machine in terms from like a zone owned and operated channel, but in terms of specific pockets that we focus on, we, we do have to be very strategic. Just, it, it's a bit impossible to- Totally, that's totally understandable. That's why like, that was my kind of assumption is like, yeah, I, I like even in, on my end, like I don't see like the, the, the counter, especially looking at the at the numbers, you know, even the, the, the bounty, the payout amount, like I can see that just like the subscription, you know, uh, what is it, two bucks? Like, yeah. of course it's, it's a lower revenue uh, driver. Um, but I hope it's not getting too much into your cost though. You know, like the fact that people can subscribe and watch Canelo fight and you don't have to sell those rights for much more money. I'm assuming to like, uh, you know, Kazakh TV channels or Russian or Polish or whatever. I hope right. it's not like taken out too much out of your revenue because I would hate to see you guys thinking like, okay, that was a, that was a great run, but like, it's just not financially feasible. So there's no question there, but I sincerely like hope that it's going to stay there because it's a really great deal for, uh, for people who live in that part of, in that, in that part of the world. Uh, and, uh, I hope m much more subscribers will, will add to that. So at some point it like makes a really like big difference. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's a slow process, man. Like it's, you have to be very patient. You know, I think, um, for a lot of these markets, Streaming is still new. I mean, even in the U.S., it's still fairly exactly. new. I mean, I think the US tends to be a little bit ahead in terms of you know business trends and and you know it's, you know um, versus other markets. But even then, like if it wasn't for COVID, I think a lot of people kind of cut the cord during the pandemic. On you know you didn't have as much need for it, and all of a sudden the a la carte subscription model kind of took an uptick. But even then, there's still a long ways to go. So I think you know I'm thinking specifically about Mexico, like you know. Long term, obviously, this is a market that has a huge, huge uh, absolutely base. Um, it's a huge market economically, um, you know. So I think there's a lot of potential here, but again, it's not going to happen overnight, right? Like I think you need to mm -hmm. your point. I don't think we'll ever give up or, or you know just not focus on this market. But I think it's a very slow process where it's like, okay, you start with the affiliate program, or there's certain partners that are drawing more, and then all of a sudden you see, okay, wow, okay, um, Ron Garcia tends to draw really well here. So what can we do with him next time, and how do we build on that and build on that every more. So it's, it's, it's a slow process, but it, I don't think yeah. we'll ever give but up. It's, on yeah. It's also a fascinating process. It's, it's a, and it's very bold. You know, I, I really like this idea. I really like the fact that the zone decided to like go worldwide and uh, against all kind of traditions, you know, you don't see like ESPN pushing their service, like in Kazakhstan, Russia or anything else. Like there's always like some, you know, it, it's main, it's always been like that. And, you know, it's just the local TV channels just buying the rights. Like that's why I always, when I first came to the United States, the whole notion of pay-per-view was like so like foreign to me <laughs> because every fight was just on TV. Like you guys really yeah. pay 70 bucks for something. That's crazy. You know, so that's uh, uh, to that point. Uh, going back really, really quickly to the, and we're going to the end of our interview here, uh, going back to the affiliate marketing, that's something novel as well. Like I've never seen, um, an affiliate program for a subscription service like that, or maybe I'm just not aware. I, I was trying to find any other programs like that. I was looking up at the UFC app and the ESPN app, and I don't think they have that, but the zone is the only one who is kind of like pushing towards the affiliate, affiliate marketing subscription base. Yeah. Well, I think that the big difference for us, and, and you just nailed it earlier was, was that we're. I think, I mean, if you look around, I think we're the only global sports streaming app. I mean, I think, um, you know, I actually did work on the ESPN app campaign in Latin America, but I remember what the app is in Latin America. It was very different from um, the U.S. where it was like, it's ESPN Plus in the U.S. and in Latin America, it's ESPN Play. And then you can, so they have different platforms. The technology doesn't, isn't exactly quite the same there versus the zone. To your point, you, you showed up in, you know, Canada and you have it and then you went to Kazakhstan and you be able to log in 
and obviously the rates change uh, yeah. and you don't have the same access to all the content, but you can still sign on the platform. I mean, me being here uh, the other day, you know, this coming weekend, I, I plan on watching the Zuru Ramirez fight on the zone. Like I, and mm-hmm. I have a description that I do in the U S. So um, I, I think, I think the zone's proposition from that perspective is very uniquely tailored for the affiliate program. It makes, it makes it, you know, sort of, interesting. I think that's why we rely on it because again, going back to that, previous question you know we it's kind of impossible to focus on 200 countries and territories all at once so we rely on people with local followings and local experts kind of like yourself who kind of know the market more to give us those insights and it's a win-win situation right because absolutely you you know whether that's um arming you with you know getting you access to fighters or interviews you know if, if you said to me hey all of a sudden ryan garcia is a huge draw in Kazakhstan. next time i'd say all right cool let, let's get you an interview and and promote the hell out of him in, in Kazakhstan. Awesome. I'll take I'll take that as a promise. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, it's a win-win situation, right? Because you help us grow our subscriber base. Um, obviously, you you receive commission on that. We can help you grow your channel. You help us grow. So it, it's I think that's why the affiliate program, again, given Dizone's global scale, it's, it's such a key opportunity for us. So. Yeah, that's, like, no, that's really awesome. To be honest, I I uh, know about affiliate marketing quite like uh, quite a little bit, and then I was surprised that the zone is also part of that. Uh, th- their strategies also has affiliate marketing in it, and it was pretty cool. Like the, and the way it works, it was it was actually pretty uh, efficient. So that's pretty cool. It's, it's uh, brilliant. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it incentivizes both parties to to kind of work, right? So. Um, yeah, we, you, and, you and I might need to have a, an extra meeting after this and figure out what, what we're going to do for next. Sure, thing. absolutely. I would love to because so, I, I'm <laughs> honest, it's, it's just fascinating. Like, I'd, I'd love to pick your brain. I want to see like what kind of guys, what kind of things you're like thinking about and what like maybe I can help you with some some Russian market stuff or anywhere. Like when I say Russia, of course, I mean like 25 countries that speak Russian, you know, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, right, right, Georgia, right. Ukraine, Kazakhstan, uh, Turkmenistan, all of those countries are a part of uh, like my base that are watching my uh, content. Um, but enough of my advertising question for you again. It's the last question. Eric, when you come to work or, or like now working from home, for example, <laughs> and, and you like open up your laptop uh, or, you know, turning on your computer, what are the kind of like the, the quick things that you're checking on? What are the KPIs? What are the like parameters or something that you're always checking? Is this like the number of subscribers? Is this the, aside from emails and all of that, like what are the like <laughs> data that you look at just like from the very bird's eye view? I don't want you to go and get into those uh, details and stuff. Yeah, and, and, and obviously, you know, all of the um, numbers that the zone has are obviously very confidential. We of course. Very close to, to our chest, but yeah, I think from for my role specifically, it has to be subscriptions, um, new acquisition but also um, engagement levels, right? Um, Mm. You know, the fans that are already subscribed, we want them to keep coming back to the platform. You know, we want them to not just come in for for the Triple G fight. We want them to come in, consume the documentary, consume uh, El Presidente, the the Ronaldo. I love El Presidente, man. I love El Presidente. It's so good. It's just, and I like how the the editing is great and the the flashbacks kind of reminds me of that Jordan documentary a little bit. You know, it's it's pretty good. good. Yeah. It's good. I I I I, I want to buy a Ronaldo jersey now after watching. Yeah, after- man, it brought back so much memory for me back in the day. Was, Ronaldo was crazy, man. Like I remember um, 2002 World Cup. Wow. I'm okay. sad that he didn't stay at Barcelona for longer. I'm a Barcelona fan. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's crazy. Shame. Like their explanations. Like why didn't you want to stay at Barcelona? His managers are like, well. Because Barcelona's are douchebags. <laughs> they, they, they didn't have a great answer. They were just like, you know, Barcelona. Yeah, it was just, there was nothing like, yeah, they just didn't treat us right, and we just bailed. I was like, wow. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, but yeah, man, I, I think the ultimate um, KPIs for us are you know acquisition. You know, seeing mm-hmm. um, you know after a specific event, seeing how it performed in certain markets that we predicted um, would would you know sort of have a lot of acquisition in that market, but also again um engagement levels just seeing how many people already on the platform are coming back to watch the content because it's very important right we want them to we want you to stay on we want you to subscribe right. for the fast you know if, if you have that option in the us or um you know if, if you're on the global platform for two hours a month stick around for another month right we have more content mm-hmm. um, you know more more good fights coming uh you know more documentaries you have um the design boxing show on monday through friday i think as far as i can think of i think it's the only uh, studio show that covers boxing on, on you know that cadence of you know five times a week I, I absolutely think. and then there's a matchroom show um like a fight camp with matchroom i think is coming up soon i saw on the dead schedule 
Uh, so that's another kind of a programming that's going to yep. be there with fights and but probably some cool sh shoulder programming there as well or some like reality show stuff. I'm assuming. I don't know. We'll see. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah fight uh, yeah. coming up soon. We have the Zuda Ramirez Pereira uh, fight. July 9th. Yeah. And um, yeah, after that, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully have some interesting announcements pretty soon. And, you know, we won't give away too much information, but uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll keep you guys busy for, for the next couple of months and give you plenty of reasons. <laughs> back. So stay for sure. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I, I took too much of your time and I really appreciate your time. I know that it's a weekend and it's a, it's a Euro 2021, 20, 2020. I'm going to be watching as well. England versus Ukraine. England. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll post the link to your Twitter account. I feel like more people should follow you and like get, get like, you know, information from the DAZN Insider as well. Uh, and if there's anything, anything you want to get a shout out to or like any of your platforms, uh, besides the zone and like social media, let me know, uh, or like go for it right now. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, no, well, well, first of all, thank you, Samir, for, for having me on, on, on your podcast. Really appreciate the time. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah. Thank follow you. Twitter, uh, baby bull boxeo. Um, boxing. that's a great handle by the way. Baby bull boxeo. <laughs> and then follow me on Instagram as well. Baby bull boxeo. Actually oh, is my, it's my coaching, um, platform so you'll see some of me getting pads or working with some of the kids that, that i'm training so um, awesome. follow as well please i'll provide all those links uh and on the video and on the podcast as well eric awesome. thank you thank you so much i hope we can stay in touch and i hope we can just have some uh off-air conversations as well because uh, i feel like you're such such a great resource for knowledge of boxing and the industry itself no, and appreciate it, man. pleasure is all mine i think you you have an awesome story as well so definitely happy that we were able to connect and yeah looking forward to stay in touch and, and, and working closer together. Thank you. Thank you.